With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Shock Therapy, brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers here. We got a, a good one here in, in store for you guys. What do you think, Zach? Man, I'm a happy football fan. I, I've known for a while who the Chargers were going to play, but finally seeing that schedule come together, seeing what kind of matchups go in week to week, I, I'm uh, excited as can be. I am stoked to actually get to see where we're playing cer- certain teams, where uh, we're going to be playing at different times of the year. So our first home game is going to be the Cowboys. Cowboys are coming into L.A. It's the first game of the season at SoFi Stadium. And I think it's a really good team for us to start, specifically because the the Cowboys have this huge fan base, and I don't think they're going to be there. I think there's going to be so many fans in the stands. I was actually taking a look at – I'm a season ticket member, and I was taking a look at some of the tickets that had gone on pre-sale for season ticket holders – And dude, they are almost sold out. They were running out like super, super fast. So I am excited to see a powder blue stadium uh, for the first time that I can remember since I moved to San Diego years ago. Well, yeah, fingers crossed, because I think that's something that has been lacking from L.A. football for the last couple of years and something that I've growing up just been so jealous of you know watching the Green Bay Packers games on TV or even the teams in our division the Arrowheads the the mile high fan bases that those fan bases make fo- watching football so much fun so to have that kind of community here in LA football it's, it's amazing I'm, I'm looking forward to it can't wait to go out and check a game the last game I went to was the last game at Qualcomm was the Raiders game dude it I was a minority there, dude. It was so bad. And, and I'm seeing all these fans coming out of the woodwork where we're definitely going to be a totally different like type of stadium, stadium atmosphere than I think we've seen in years, years and years and years and years. I'm stoked. Did you see Jen Mills, Jennifer Mills? You know who she is, right? Yeah. Did you see the guy whose house burned down? And I just saw a couple of little tweets about it, but you're you're telling me a little bit more about it. That Pat McAfee is getting involved. Yeah, so Jen went and started a GoFundMe for you guys that don't know. Uh, one of our our teammates, one of our fans uh, who lives in Arizona, his house burned down, and Jennifer Mills, who's probably the 
one of the best fans that we have on our side. She started really? to go fund me for him, and it's just about to hit $10,000. It's been retweeted by Mike Williams, by the Chargers. Awesome said that they got them and and pat mcafee dropped five g's inside of that gofundme account and it's it's growing i love the fact that we've got this kind of support network you know we, we take care of, our, care of our own i i absolutely love the fact that the fan base came together to help one of our you know friends in need after tragedy strikes in the worst of ways yeah well and way to band together hats off to jen and and all the work that she's doing and everybody that has contributed obviously that just that family is probably going through so much struggle. So any dollar helps. If you guys want to support, go find Jennifer Mills' Twitter page. She's got it. I think she has it pinned to her page. And and go show your support for a guy who probably really, really desperately needs it. I know his daughter's got some health issues, and it's it's just a terrible situation. So you know, any way you can help, go go and show some support. Coming back to the Chargers schedule, so week three, they play the Chiefs away in in Arrowhead. And then we got our first Monday night football game at SoFi Stadium. Chargers are going to be playing the Raiders. That's going to be an exciting game. And then week five, we go to the Browns. Week six, we go to Baltimore, play the Ravens. Then week seven, we hit our bye week. And then week eight, we get our revenge game against the Patriots. Get ready, Belichick. We're coming. We're coming hard. And that's going to be at SoFi Stadium. Week nine, we'll go to the Eagles. Week 10, the Vikings come into town. Uh, Week 11 is going to be our next primetime game, Sunday night football against the Steelers. Old man Ben, he's going to be running for his life there. His offensive line is terrible. And I'm looking forward to attending that game for sure. Week 12, we head into Denver. Uh, Week 13, we go to the Bengals. Week 14, the New York Giants come to town. And then what I think is going to be the biggest game of the year for us, because I think it's going to have serious playoff uh, implications, is going to be at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going, that's going to be another primetime game. That's going to be Thursday night football. And then week 10, we go to the Texans. Week 17 is our last home game of the year. That's going to be the Broncos coming in. Another big game that's probably going to have some playoff implications. And then week 18, that extra game that we added at the end of the year, the Raiders are going to, we're going to be going to the Raiders to play at Allegiant Stadium. What do you think our record is going to be? Man, I think, you know, not watching training camp, hoping everyone gets through and healthy. I feel I feel good around a solid 11-win season. So we play 17 games now instead of the usual 16. It's going to be a longer season. A lot of these players are going to be playing that extra game. It's going to take a toll on their bodies. It'll be see it'll be very interesting to see the depth of this team as as that extra mm-hmm. game is going to be important. Any yeah. final thoughts on the schedule? We didn't really get a whole lot of time to kind of analyze the schedule, but just looking at it, I, I think we're sitting right around the middle of the pack in terms of strength of schedule. So it'll be interesting to see, I think. What are your th- thoughts? I honestly, I think if we are sitting well 
going into week 12 or so, I think that tail end of our schedule is looks so nice to me. I, I really think if we come in week 12 with a solid record, I, I think we're just going to roll right into the playoffs those last uh, four or five games. Get, I think get our momentum. momentum going. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to be a tough team to stop uh, when January comes around. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to to go into the season with some momentum and then ride it out. So it'll be interesting to see. Long season, seventeen games, never been done before. So we're we're all we're all waiting to see. Moving on to the NFL draft, we're going through rounds two and three today. Uh, we're just going to kind of breeze by some of these different players because we don't want to really go pick for pick like we did with the first round. So with the first pick in the second round, the Jaguars selected Tyson Campbell. With the 34th pick of the second round, uh, the Jets selected wide receiver Elijah Moore, Ole Miss. He was one of the guys that Benjamin Albright thought was going to go, you know, toward the last half of the first round. He ended up falling to the Jets. I think he's a good fit there for, you know, their wide receiver core. That includes Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jameson Crowder. It's an extra weapon for their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. And I think he's going to be a pretty dynamic kick punt returner for them as well. Uh, primarily a slot receiver. He's a little undersized, 5'9", 180 pounds. But he's going to be, he's kind of the forgotten receiver of that 2018 recruiting class that included, you know, Rondell Moore, uh, Jamar Chase. He had 86 receptions, just under 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns in just eight games. And that's incredible production. I think he's going to be a good fit there for, for the Jets. Yeah, I, I, he's one of my favorite receivers in the class. I, I, you said it; he's a little undersized, but dang, is he explosive. He has, I think, underrated speed. You don't hear much people talking about him being a, a burner, but he runs a four three five forty. That's elite. My favorite thing about him is he catches everything. If you throw the ball in his vicinity, he's going to haul it in. He totaled, what, 189 catches during his career at Ole Miss, barely ever drops the ball. Fifth in yards after catch last year. Uh, seventh in the nation in tackles avoided. I mean, Jets got themselves hell of a weapon and more. And they're definitely going to need weapons to surround them with a, their rookie quarterback. Uh, with the next pick, the Broncos selected Javante Williams, running back out of North Carolina. A lot of guys thought that he was actually the best running back in this class. He's a bruising back. And, you know, it's weird because the Broncos have three really similar runners back mm-hmm. there. You've got Melvin Gordon. You've got Royce Freeman, and then adding Javante Williams, they're going to be a run-heavy team next year. Yeah, well, and the Broncos obviously loved him. They traded up to grab him, and I can tell why. I think there's a lot to like. You mentioned it. Some ranking systems have him as their top running back. Uh, Personally, I think the ceilings for Najee and ETN with their athleticism are a little higher than Williams, but I think day one coming in, I think he's the more complete back ready to compete week one. You know, he's a super physical runner and has insane balance, very hard to bring down, can mix it up in the passing game, he's a decent blocker. And I think it'll be a nice compliment to Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman. And I think as the season moves on, you'll probably see a lot more playing time, especially if Melvin decides to start fumbling the football like we know he likes to do. <laughs> you know, I'm really interested to see what his fantasy value is, especially starting next year, because Melvin Gordon is going to be a He's going to be a free agent, so what are they going to do there? Are they going to hold on to Melvin Gordon? People don't like to overpay for running backs. And if you look at Javante Williams, he's he's got a three-down role there. He's he's going to be a very dynamic runner behind really a, a strong offensive line. So I think fantasy value-wise, he's going to be just a monster. 
he's in probably the best position of any running back there. Maybe Travis Etienne, but Najee Harris is not going to have that production with the offensive line he's running behind. No. No, there's going to be a lot of – I think if Najee is going to have a big season, it's going to be all behind screen passes and uh, just letting that guy – get out in the open because yeah just running between the tackles next year in Pittsburgh I think is going to be a tough it is it's going to be really rough sledding for him next year with the 36th pick the Dolphins selected Javon Holland 37 Eagles took Landon Dickerson Patriots took Christian Barmore after him the Bears went Taven Jenkins Falcons went Richie Grant Lions went Levi Owonosarike the Dolphins then went Liam Eikenberry. I want to I want to talk about the Dolphins a little bit. Their starting running back next year is going to be Miles Gaskin. They did not upgrade that position at all. And if you really looked at what was in front of them, I mean, I, I think that they were hoping one of those three running backs was going to fall to them, and it didn't happen. And no. they didn't reach anywhere else in the draft for another running back. Their starting offensive line, though, I think it looks strong. You got Austin Jackson, you got Solomon Kinley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt's probably going to kick back inside to play guard, and then Liam Liam Eikenberg's probably going to be their right tackle. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Well, yeah, I I think they had the choice to go receiver. Didn't the guy their guys didn't really fall to them? So I think the the best alternate route for them to go was to shore up that offensive line and you go Eichenberg with the second pick you said it I think he fits slates in day one as the right tackle I think as his career goes on he'll probably bump inside because he he's not very long he doesn't have the elite length to keep pass rushers at bay you know guys like Rayshon Slater can combat that because they have a, a elite athleticism but Eichenberg doesn't really have that he's not fast he's not his he's all about technicality right he's in the right places he's always in the right place to make impactful blocks in both the run and pass game so he's a he's a good player I think eventually he's going to be bumped down but yeah that offensive line is looking better by the day over in Miami what are your thoughts on on Liam Eikenberg switching to guard and Robert Hunt switching back out to tackle full-time I think that's a possibility what do they see out of those two I, I think for me, I would like that route better. I think Hunt has more potential at tackle, and I think Eichenberg's long-term fit is at guard. So if you ask me, why don't we just do that from day one? That would kind of be my plan. But what I've heard is Eichenberg slated at right tackle. Yeah, that's what I keep down. hearing too. But it is an option for them. It does give them that flexibility to kind of move them around sure. and figure out what they want to do from a depth perspective. With the next pick, the Raiders select Traven Morig. They actually got a pick right for once, dude. Like, <laughs> congrats. You Raiders. know, I would have, I would have rather if I would have been the Raiders taken Morig in the middle of the first round and go and pick up their offensive tackle in the second round. You know, those players really could have sw- switched and they wouldn't have been looked nearly as bad. No, well, and I, I don't, I don't really think this move looks bad on paper. I, I really love it. For the Raiders, you needed DB help, and what do you do? You go out and grab last season's Jim Thorpe Award winner, given for the best defensive back in the nation. So as far as fit goes, that's as good as you're going to get. He's a great coverage safety through and through, broke up uh, 19 passes the past two seasons, more than any other safety in the country. And he he's that athlete that Gus Bradley likes to deploy, in, like that center field or sideline to sideline safety. 
I, Let's I talk about Gus there. Bradley there for a sec, dude. Gus Bradley has not had very much success with free safeties outside of Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas is, he's a different kind of player, right? Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, his defense needs that guy, but those are generational type talents. And, you know, I think, I think Trayvon Morrig's going to be playing a little bit outside of position. You know, he was PFFs in 2019. He was PFFs top, one of top two graded safeties. Number one was Ardarius Washington, also at TCU. Number two was Trayvon Morrig. But Trayvon Morrig played a lot more in the block box. He played a lot more in the slot. He didn't play nearly as much as the single high free safety. That was really Ardarius Washington's role. So do you think that he's playing outside of position? That's literally what Gus Bradley does. He takes strong safeties, takes box safeties, and he throws them at free safety. He's been doing it for years. We saw him do it with J- uh, Jalila Dye. We saw him do it with, uh, who was the other safety? Rayshon Jenkins. I wouldn't say Rayshon, but I was went back to Slater. Yeah, Rayshon Jenkins. He did it with Rayshon Jenkins. And it just doesn't make sense that he, he likes to have these heavy hitters, these big guys playing, you know, that deep third. And that's all he's going to be doing. He's going to be playing deep third. That's all well, Gus Bradley free safeties do. I think over those guys you mentioned, I think Morrig is the best fit for that. He... He's the only one that has the athleticism to maybe pull it off. A die back there, man, was just a big play waiting to happen. I, I loved his energy coming downhill, but that guy couldn't stop anything. It, it, any 20-yard pass play was going to be complete um, with a die as our center fielder. I think Morgan can do it. I think he has the athleticism. What I think is going to get to him is being in the Raider system. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But it's just, it's weird, man, to see Trayvon Morig. So he, at in 2019, he only spent 21% of his snaps at free safety. In 2020, he spent 25% of his snaps. He's he's a box safety. And I think you're having him play out of position. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for him. It's going to be really tough. With the 44th pick, the Cowboys selected Kelvin Joseph. They finally got their cornerback to, you know, the, the guys that they wanted there in the first round, they weren't there. They ended up trading back, and they ended up getting a really good cornerback with Kelvin Joseph. At 45, the Jaguars picked Walker Little. Walker Little hasn't played in a couple years. He's been injured, but he's got all the talent in the world. I do like that pick for the Jaguars. A lot of people think that it was a reach. I just didn't see it. The Bengals then selected Jackson Carmen. Again, I think that is a reach. I think he's a guy that really was kind of on the lower half of the offensive tackles that were available. And then at 47, the Chargers selected Asante Samuel Jr. Man. Woo! I am really surprised that he lasted to the middle of the second round. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, whoever made that happen. Every All the other teams that pass it on him because Chargers get a generational talent at a huge position to need and at that what i really liked about this i think he fits that the defense that this team is going to be transitioning to physical corners guys mm-hmm. who tackle guys who play man and he is one of the best man coverage corners in this class he's undersized he's 5 10 180 pounds but he's super super athletic he had a 4 4 140 4.09 shuttle three cones 6.98 his speed is outstanding. His change of direction is outstanding. He's going to be a phenomenal player in a in a 
defense that really requires the corners to be super aggressive. They're they're going to be he he's a really good slot corner if he was to transition to that role when um, mm-hmm. Chris Harris Jr. leaves. I think that would be his his best fit there. To be honest, I think eventually he will be. But I'm so happy we got Samuel because it allows us this year to bump Chris Harris Jr. to the slot where I think he's more comfortable. He did play outside in his last couple of years in Denver, but he's getting up there in age. His he's the, his speed's not there like it used to be. He's more. He's better this year at 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 slot. Samuel Jr. has that athleticism to play outside, so it gives us that flexibility. But I, I think you're right. Eventually, he is going to bump down. I think you'll be. We'll get the most out of him there. But man, so excited for the pick. If he's just twenty five percent of the player his dad was, we're getting a hell of a player there. And you know, that's something I actually really like about Sante Samuel Jr. as well is because he comes from that that pedigree, right? He's got even more to prove, right? Because he sure. doesn't want to be, you know, oh, your dad was, you know, this phenomenal all pro player. He's like, no, like I'm I'm writing my own story. You know, I he wants to separate himself. It gives him that chip on his shoulder. It gives him a little little more to play for because he has more to live up to. I love you know, it. And he plays with a lot of swagger, just an attitude I, I love to see, especially on the defensive side of the football. He's got that Jalen Ramsey-like mentality. Yeah, he's right? a dog. He's Yeah, even if he make lose on a play, like he's not going to take – he doesn't lose. He doesn't no, take he a doesn't. play off. He doesn't lose and he uh, doesn't one-on-one give up matchups. Plays. No. He doesn't give up – even if the, the receiver is going to end up catching some slant or something, he's right there to make the tackle for, you know, no run after catch. He was the 10th rate cornerback in PFF's class last year with an 81.8 defensive grade and 82.8 coverage grade. He allowed a completion on 59.4% of passes thrown his way. He had three interceptions last year in a shortened season. And by the way, he played on a terrible Florida State defense. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Still end up coming up with five pass breakups on 32 targets. And, you know, like you said, he's going to play outside. He's going to be a day one starter for this defense, especially on a team that's going to be in five DB sets a lot. So one of the other things though, is I I think he's kind of limited to more of a man coverage based scheme. He didn't play a whole lot of zone there. And at that is, I, I just don't know necessarily if his game is really up to the level to, to play much zone, which is going to be required of him in, in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think you kind of just have to chop that up to the lack of film. We don't know what he can do, really, because he wasn't asked to do it. Does he have the athleticism? Yeah. So I And I have all the faith in Staley. If anyone's going to turn this guy into an all-pro, it's going to be him. And he has a plan. I, I, I can't wait to see how we deploy this defense this year. It'll be interesting to see, especially with the, the players that are on this defense, it's a, it's a different defense than the Rams have at, at different positions. You don't have a Aaron Donald in the middle of that defense. And so nobody does. No. And you've got a Linval Joseph, but that's it's, it's, he's a different player. Linval Joseph is a 330 pound behemoth. Well, he's a huge guy, but he's not Aaron Donald. No. Well, and I just can't wait to start, you know, just getting in the training camp to start, see where Staley's going to put his touch, you know, cause you know, he's going to put his stamp on it. That's going to be a Staley led defense. And just like where, you know, what players are going to be playing? What's the rotation going to be looking like? I, It's coming together, and I, I like it more and more every day. And I'm really interested to see how he utilizes Duran James. If you look at 
John Johnson, right? John Johnson's a very talented player, but he's not Derwin James. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I did like about Gus Bradley's defense is how he used his safeties and moved them around. But in Staley's defense, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they play basically cover two, but they, they play closer to the line of scrimmage. They're seven, eight, nine yards back off the ball. And it's just, it's a little bit different because Durant James isn't going to be that chess piece that moves all over the field. He's just going to be on his side of it. And to see him, I guess, utilize a little bit differently than John Johnson might have been, that's going to be something to, to watch as well. Sure. Well, and it's, it's what well, are we even going to have Derwin James be our strong safety, or is he going to be that roaming linebacker uh, safety hybrid? I, I I really don't know, man. I don't you, know yeah, what Staley's going to do with it, right? Because he's not, he's not going to run the same exact defense. He's going to take schemes based off of it. That too, I think. Even but if I think say, he's going to play to his personnel. Yeah, personnel gonna, week to week. This team's going to be so much fun, man, because I, I think even week to week we're going to be looking at a different team. And I think that's what the good coaches need to do, and I think if you want to be successful in this league, you need that's what you need to do. Yeah, put your players up. in position to make plays, and that's, and that's what Staley does. With the 48th pick, the 49ers selected Aaron Banks, offensive guard. He's a guy that actually went a lot earlier than a lot of people were expecting, but super talented uh, guard from Notre Dame, one of those big heavies that just led – Really, it really pushed Notre Dame's run offense to a, a new elite level. With the 49th pick, the Cardinals selected Rondell Moore. The wide receivers there in Arizona are Man. unreal, dude. You got DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Andy Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson. That's a lot of mouths to feed. It's going to be very interesting to see you know, which receivers kind of develop that key uh, relationship with Kyler Murray next year because it could be literally anyone. Obviously, I think Hopkins has Hopkins is the most talented player. He was there last year, so I think he has the, the track on that. But, you know, it, who knows? It's really interesting. A lot of receivers. They have Very a interesting. different kind of receiver for every single they, – they've got your true yeah. X receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. they got A.J. Green, who was that receiver. you got Christian Kirk, who's going to be their, their Z – and then you've got both Rondell Moore and Andy Isabella who are just game-breaking speed. They, they have a receiver yeah. of every single fit and style. Keyshawn Johnson is going to be the odd man out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the trade block here pretty soon. But, man, they have so many weapons there. A lot of mouths to feed. And, Lots. really, they're going to be able to beat you any way that they want with that well, type yeah. of core. That passing offense is going to be scary for sure. I just don't you, – you're, where do you go? There's only one football. I don't know if Arizona knows that. Well, that's the thing, though, is when when receivers are covered because they're going to be playing five wides a lot. Yeah. They're not going to be having a tight end out there. They don't even have one right now. They're just going to go five wide and nobody's open. Murray's just going to take off, dude. That's what he did. Yeah. The scheme that they've built around him is perfect to his strengths. It's really crazy because I thought coming in – I didn't really have a lot of faith going to Arizona. I was like, all right, he'll be out of the league in a couple of years. But um, well, I was wrong. And that Arizona offense is very, very exciting. It is. With the 50th pick, the Giants selected Aziz Ojolari. Surprising that he fell out of the first round. A lot of people thought he was going to be a top 20, top 30 pick. 
falls all the way to, to the 50s. With the 51st pick, the Washington football team took Samuel Cosme. Uh, a little surprised that Cosme went after uh, some of the other offensive tackles on the board um, or that were no longer on the board. The Browns then selected Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa. I don't have to talk about that way anymore because I've been talking about it pretty much nonstop, <laughs> but that really is the steal of the draft. They got a top 15, top 20 player in the middle of the second round. Yeah. And it's unbelievable that he fell that far. With the 53rd pick, the Titans selected Dylan Radunes. Uh, this is a replacement to Isaiah Wilson. So they drafted Isaiah Wilson with like the 31st pick last year. and Swing and a miss. Well, it's not even that it was a swing and a miss. It was like a, like a, he, like a he got himself, swing. he got himself kicked off the team. He got traded to the Dolphins for a seventh round pick and they cut him three days later, literally three days after they traded, they burned a seventh round pick is what they ended up doing because as soon as he got there, he missed the first two workouts and was late to his third workout and they just cut him. Like we don't, we don't want to deal with this. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's so many other kids that are willing to take your spot. Uh, Yeah. An NFL team's not going to deal with that. Sorry. Super, super talented player, really big, big player, really good run blocker. He really would have fit on that Titans offensive line really, really well. But I mean, they had to trade him away because they, they had to get something for him. You you just drafted him with a first round pick and you got a seventh in return. And the dolphins were fine to just burning that pick. They got so many picks. They didn't really, they're rolling on them over there. I mean, they doubled down. They went and got their offensive tackle in Dylan Radunes and they needed to do it. Yeah, I, I love Derrick Henry. I, I, I know he's going to break eight tackles every carry, but you still need a decent enough O-line to at least get in the way of the other three, right? So Wilson experiment didn't work, but you, you, I think the Titans benefit from this deep of a tackle class, and you get a, a solid one in Radunes falling at 53. I think I honestly think if Radunes played in the FBS, I think he's a bona fide first round selection also, right? I think the talent level at North Dakota State dampened his draft stock, but I think he's a phenomenal talent and I think he's definitely going to fit in well with what the Titans like to do on offense. I will say it is a little weird cuz he's not the biggest type of guy. If you look at the the, you know, offensive linemen that are playing for the Titans, they are a power run team and Redunes isn't that 330 pound offensive tackle that you were expecting them to to go after. Uh, really, I think Alex Leatherwood would have been the best fit for that team. Looking at what they wanted to do and where they were drafting, obviously mm-hmm. the Raiders reached. But it's, it's he's not he's he's an athletic tackle. Dylan Redunes yeah. is an athletic, smaller guy who's got some size to him, but he's not overly strong. He's not overly big. So it's a little surprising that they went with the more athletic you know, technical type of guy, but they still got themselves a, a really dynamic well, player there. Maybe that's what they're missing. They got the power guys. They got the bowls. They got the bowling balls. Maybe they want, you know, one of those more athletic swing type of tackles. Who who knows? You needed some tackle depth anyway, and that's that's some great depth there with Redunes. I agree. With the 54th pick, the Colts selected another defensive end, Deo Odangbo. Uh, I think I said that right. Uh, Odangbo. They- Odangbo, uh, they're going to pair him with Quiddy Pay. They also have Isaac Rochelle, who just came over from the Chargers. They have Taekwon Lewis, Kamiko Ture. 
they they got a lot of pass rushers there, man. They do. That defense is looking pretty good. And, you know, on a year where the edge class, we've been talking about it, the edge class this year wasn't as strong as it has been in years past, but the Colts decide to go double dip at the position. You mentioned it, pay in the first, then Odengbo. I thought it was interesting. I, I looked. This is only the second time the Colts have done that, going D linemen back to back of their first two picks. Um, the first time they did it, it was in 2002. They landed Dwight Franey and Larry Triplett. So it worked out really well the first time. We're all going to have to wait and see how these guys pair up. Um, do I see a Dwight Franey? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that the track record is pretty promising. And it's a really young core there on defense that they have there. And they have one of the yeah. best defensive minds there. That guy's, I, I forget who their defensive coordinator is, but he had so many job opportunities this last year. Next year, he's, he's going to find himself in a head coach seat. But then with the next pick, the 55th pick, the Steelers took Pat Freermuth. They needed offensive linemen pretty bad. But if you look at the run that happened on offensive linemen, you know, within the, the next, the early or 15 picks, they really just took the best player on the board, and Pat Freermuth was the best player left standing. They didn't really have a, a tight end there for, for a little while, not not a really dynamic one. They haven't had one in, in a little bit of a long time there. Um, you have Eric Ebron. He's he's athletic, but I, I think he's past his prime. So I think Pat Freermuth is, is going to be a good fit there. And then with the next pick, the Seahawks take – Dwayne Eskridge, they're going to pair Dwayne Eskridge with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That was already a scary duo, but now you have a real, real run after the catch specialties. He's actually got a very similar game to Tyler Lockett. And then with the 57th pick, the Rams took 2-2 Atwell. I didn't really see the fit there. So he's he's 5'9", 165 pounds. He's a real small guy, and he's going to get Little. crushed. Yeah. I mean, I, I have concerns about Rondell Moore's size, but I am absolutely terrified about Tutu's fit at the next level. And I think you look at it, what what are they trying to do? I, I think you're trying to find that speedy, deep threat replacement for Deshaun Jackson. But that here's my problem with that. Deshaun Jackson is an anomaly, right? Guys that size becoming superstars in the NFL is very, very rare. I think a more reasonable expectation for Atwell will be like a Tavon Austin type of career, but even less than that because, you know, Tavon gets the edge there because he's an elite returner. I think Tutu has the skills to do that, but he wasn't asked to do it at Louisville. He doesn't have the experience. And then looking at that wide receiver room, you got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Jackson's there too. You know, those guys aren't slouches. They're good football players. There were some solid linemen, I thought, on the board. Jabil Crocs was still there. Um, Could have helped their linebacking core in a big way. But yeah, I, I thought the position group, I thought they could have waited to address the receiver room. That was just kind of my feeling. I didn't think they needed to. I mean, they just took Van Jefferson last year. And if you, look, right. if you look at what Tavon Austin did in college, right? And you look, yeah, yeah he, they took him early. But he was one of the most dynamic college athletes, like on that Reggie Bush scale of college talent. The tape is and, elite, for sure. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see Tutu Atwell with that elite tape, right? He was good. He was a, he, he was just faster than everybody. He's That's faster. not going to be happen at the NFL level. He's not going to get those opportunities. He's going to be a, a good punt return specialist, right? He, he is learning behind one of the best small guys, which is Sean Jackson. But I just don't see the need. You got your top three. He, there's not even enough mouths to feed there, especially when you have a guy like Andrew Whitworth who's 39 years old. 
He's ready to retire any day. He's still a really good offensive tackle, but you're not even addressing the needs of the team. You're really taking a guy who probably isn't going to get more than 15 catches next year. Well, I you have to admit, the Rams are very exciting. They don't draft very many picks, but they're very exciting with the picks that they do make. They do. I just I don't know if I see the fit. And I just he's, he's going to catch all, 15 but... passes. He's going to catch 15 passes and be a hopefully maybe they're just trying to create that Pharaoh Cooper again. Who knows? Well, who knows? But I mean, even in today's NFL, how often are kickoffs returned for touchdowns with the new rules? I don't remember the last time I've actually watched a game and seen one. I've I've seen, you know, obviously I watch ESPN and I see the highlights, but I don't remember watching one live for a long You're, time. They're not happening anymore. And then right. even, even at that, you look at punt returners, so many punts are structured in a way where they're either going out of bounds or they're going to be fair fair catches. You're what? very rarely are punt teams out kicking punt coverages. I think Miami had one of the best return teams last year and I think they were tied for the NFL lead with two return touchdowns. That's it, two. That was the most. It just it doesn't make sense with Tutu at will at all. Especially when you have Jalen Mayfield still on the board, you have Brady Christensen on the board, and you need to replace Andrew Whitworth in a hurry. It just it doesn't make sense. I thought there were other players that would play sooner and be more impactful on the board. Yeah, I, I think they missed on that one. With the next pick, the Chiefs selected Nick Bolton, uh, linebacker from Missouri. Are, are you buying the Chiefs front seven? Yeah, well... I. I think the biggest weakness of the Chiefs the last couple of years has been their defense, and they're trying to build it up. Uh, I, but with that offense, though, I think all you really need to consistently do is hold teams under 28 points consistently, right? I, I think they could do that. Um, and I think with where they were picking, you're picking at 58, you got rid of your first-round selection. If you're looking, if you're picking that late, you're looking for just pure value, and I think Bolton provides tremendous value down there at 58. One of the best linebackers in the class is that standing instincts, sure tackler. He's going to be a great zone coverage uh, linebacker, and I, I think he's a good football player. Um, and I think in reality, that's all the Chiefs need. To, defense needs to do: hold teams underneath 28 points. Mahomes is going to go for 35 a game. It, it just hold teams under 28 points, and they're going to win a lot of football games. Well, they still lost Sammy Watkins there, too. So, I mean, okay, let's go back to their front seven real quick. So, last year they had Alex Okafor, Breland Speaks, Frank Clark, and Tona Nopson. I don't know how to say his name. I'm not going to lie. I don't even try. And then they also had Taco Charlton there and Frank Clark, right? So, they, they had some edge rushers there. This year they have Tim Ward, Chris Jones, Jerron Reed, and Frank Clark. They, they're, they're front, their defensive line is just different. And then you look at their linebacking core. I mean, they, they have Nick Bolton there, and they have Anthony Hitchens and Willie Gay, which I do like their linebacking group a lot, but they just don't have the edge rushers that they had last year. And it's because you're you're budgeting for this massive contract you handed your quarterback. But yep. it's, it's a totally different front seven if you really look at what it was last year to this year. They don't have the edge rushers. They're not going to be getting the same pressure. I like Frank Clark. I still think their interior of their defensive line is pretty strong, but they're just not going to be able to get to the quarterback that they have in the past. 
The next pick, the Panthers selected Terrence Marshall, wide receiver out of LSU. The Saints finally got their linebacker in Pete Warner. The Bills picked up Boogie Basham. Uh, talk about edge rushers. Boogie Basham, yes. Greg Rousseau, and they're not even starters because you also have Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and A.J. Espinoza. Their edge rushers are unbelievable. Man, that yeah, whatever quarterback's lining up opposite them come game day is going to have a tough time. Man. They're going to be they have five legit pass rushers who can get That's change the game in a heartbeat. A rotation. I mean, I guarantee the Bills were watching the Super Bowl last season. They saw how Tampa's deep pass rush rotation just made things living hell for Mahomes, right? Completely took him out of his game. And I think that's what they're trying to build up in Buffalo. You got five guys that I think if we're in every down situations could be double digit sack guys, right? That's a lot of talent. You have a lot of guys there and and a lot of those guys could start for different teams. Well, Boogie Rousseau, like you said, they're probably not going to start those. Yeah. No, Greg Rousseau is not going to be starting, and neither is Boogie Basham. And A.J. Espinoza is, is who they're competing with for those backup snaps. Wow. Super deep at one of the league's most important positions. And the Bills just got better than they because were last year. They're getting year. good, man. With the next pick, the Packers selected Josh Myers. The Chiefs took Creed Humphrey. That's actually a really, really good pick for them. They they need that. They might have upgraded their offensive line from last year, to be honest. I think it's going to be a little bit of, you know, they've got how many different starters on the offensive line they brought back? I think only one of the guard spots. Yeah, just one of the guards, right? And they're bringing back um, the doctor that opted out last year. I think his name's Larry Tardif. Or I'm not sure. Duvernay Tardif or something like that. But, you know, they've got four new starters on that offensive line. It might take a little while for those guys to mesh. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. But I like it. Creed there, it allows them to get younger on the offensive line, but at the same time, you're still improving the overall talent on the unit. I think working for the future, but you're also still going to be able to compete today. I like it. And then with the last pick of the second round, the Bucks selected Kyle Trask. Really just a project to see if they can, you know, find, a, you know, a mid-round talent that could outperform and re- ultimately replace Tom Brady. If you're a fan of fantasy football and you're looking to get your fix during the offseason, you need to check out Sandbox Simulations. Sandbox Simulations is a football simulation where you're both the general manager and the head coach. Draft your very own team of real NFL players, sign your own free agents to compete against others, live users with in-depth game plans. I have my own very I have my very own team, and right now I'm seven and one. My roster has quarterback Josh Allen, running back Josh Jacobs, Latavius Murray, Odell Beckham, Marvin Jones, Hunter Renfo, and Mike Gasecki. My offensive line has Deion Dawkins. David Edwards, Brandon Linder. I have Jack Conklin playing right guard and Ryan Ramchak. I've really built a run-heavy team. Josh Jacobs right now for me is averaging 5.8 yards a carry and Latavius Murray's 5.1. Together, they've they've combined for 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns through just eight games. It's really, I built this team to be a run-first team. And to be honest, it's, it's really paying off for me. If you want to get in on this action, go to sandboxsimulations.com and use code SHOCK20 to save 20% off your first season. Again, that's SHOCK20 
20 at checkout. Each season is only $20. You'll save 20%. And it's an easy way to really just pass your time during the off season. I just got a lot of the guys at the Say It Again Network logins on the very own first season. I'm excited to get you guys into this because I know you guys haven't tried it yet. Uh, so you might have actually gotten that email. If I don't know if you checked it or not, but you should be getting an, an invite to our own league that we're actually creating. Have oh. you checked it out at all? So I got the I got the email to be an influencer, and I set everything up. I'm in. I'm in a league. I'm just waiting to get drafted. The San Diego Sea Dogs are coming. <laughs> um, but. I, I, I wanted to talk to you about it. I, I think there was some miscommunication because there it says in the email, just go through this and you'll be linked up, but I don't. I'll get you linked up, but man, I'm really excited to get you in on the action because it's, it's a lot of fun, dude. And it's a little time consuming, but I mean, each yeah. game is only once a week and you get to change your game plan every week. And it's just, it's fun, man, especially when you're talking smack through the chats and, sure, you know, yeah. I it's just, fun. I de- Yeah. I'm just, I was just messing around on the website, kind of looking at the rules, kind of looking how the season goes, and I'm excited. Definitely a lot to take in, but there's nothing like it out there. Uh, I really think it has potential to be the next big fantasy football thing. It it's, is, dude. It's a ton of fun, dude. I've been doing it now for a few months. I'm only in, in halfway through my first season because it takes time to get through the draft. It takes yeah. time to, you know, com- you're, you're when you're in free agency, you're betting against other people and it's obviously going to go the highest better, but you got to build your roster and really worry yeah. about every single position. It's a simulation and it's really cool, dude. I can't wait to get you guys in on it. I'm actually going to be having a team in your guys' league as well, uh, just so I can show you guys around. But man, yeah. shock 20 at checkout for sandboxsimulations.com. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, you guys can get in contact with me through Twitter uh, at the masterable if you don't know. Um, and then you have Zach Alfers at Zach Alfers uh, on Twitter. Reach out to us if you guys want to start playing and we'll get you guys in because it's it's fun. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. When you're craving church's three-piece classic, there's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. And then moving on to the third round, the Jaguars selected Andre Sisco. I think that's a good value pick for them. The Vikings took Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. With the 67th pick, this is my favorite pick of the entire draft. The Texans, with their only pick in the first three rounds, select Davis Nils from Stanford, quarterback. What is going on over there, man? 
dysfunctional. I I don't know. I, I don't think there's much to say. Like you're you're okay. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who may not even play next year because of Man. all the stuff going on with. Uh, I, I feel bad for him, not because I know if he did it or not. Right? I don't know. I'm not in these massage parlors with him, but I'm just saying all the cars are stacked against him. And, you know, it's just, it's really bad PR. It really came at a bad time because he was trying to get traded. He didn't want to play for the Texans. Some people think, some people think the Texans actually set this up and it kind of makes sense from the perspective of, of that. Like, okay, we don't want to let go of our guy. The timing makes sense that just the, amount of allegations makes kind of makes sense but i know i don't i'm not buying the texans were deliberately trying to sabotage you know i'm not either and obviously i'm i'm not advocating for any of this but the timing of it all is very very curious i think that to me is is the what makes this thing so odd because the timing how could it have been worse women it's like 15 women and that lawyer must be doing he must his he must have such a headache right now dude dealing with all of this and trying to do right by his client but i mean who knows what really happened man yeah well i i think if if the texans want to you know fix the ship i I think all the team struggles can kind of go back to the rebranding from the oilers to the texans if you want to be successful again, go back to being the Oilers, bring back those sweet uniforms, and I don't know, maybe superstar players will want to play for your franchise again. Maybe. Well, all their nobody wants to be there, man. Nobody wants <laughs> Nobody to wants to be there. You remember how long it took them for them to find a head coach? I it can't. took them so long. And then I don't know how Nick Casario even accepted that offer. Coming from a franchise like the Patriots, going into this knowing you have no picks. And your only pick happens to be Davis Mills from Stanford in the third round. <laughs> it's just incredible. Incredible. In the worst of ways, it's incredible. We might but, I mean, that's my front runner right now for 0 and 17. Yeah, man. They got a lot of running backs, but they sure. have no nothing else. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nothing no direction whatsoever. With the 68th pick, the Falcons selected Jalen Mills. The ba- Bengals took Joseph Osaya. That's a real value signing right there. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be a late first-round type of talent. And for him to fall all the way to the third round is... Bengals really got lucky that he fell there. The, with the 70th pick, the Panthers select offensive tackle Brady Christensen. Uh, replacement for Russell Okung, who they got in, in the blockbuster trade last last year for Trey Turner. They needed a replacement for, for him, and, and they ended up getting Brady Christensen. I think he's also going to be a, a good value pick for them. He's you know he, he actually had a pretty good senior season there for BYU. It'll be interesting to, to see how he fits in that offense, especially being Sam Darnold's blindside blocker. The 71st pick. The Giants select Aaron Robinson. The Lions went Aline McNeil. The Eagles selected defensive tackle Milton Williams. The Washington football team select Benjamin St. Juice. I have no idea who that is. Uh, I thought there were sweet other name, better though. corners, though. It's sweet name, St. Juice. And then the Cowboys selected Osa Odigan Zunga. 
Here's one of the picks that I was actually really surprised about because I think it really hurt the Chargers a lot. With the 76 pick, the Saints selected Paulson Adebo. I really think that the Chargers would have double dipped if Paulson Adebo so? would have still been there. I really, really do because I think just from a talent perspective, he's going to be the replacement on the outside there. And then you can have the cornerback you just yeah. selected there move into the slot next year. I, I think that would have made a lot of sense. And while I think that they really like Josh Palmer and you looked at them in the draft room, they were really excited when Josh mm-hmm. Palmer fall to them. I don't know how you pass on Paulson Adebo there. You you already know that you're going to have to draft another cornerback next season. You know, you're going to have to do it. And Paulson Adebo allows you to, you know, push that out next year. The chargers didn't need Josh Palmer, which no. we're going to get to in a second. You're right. That was kind of a, I guess like a celebrity pick, right? Like, or not a celebrity pick. It was, it was a pick that wasn't needed necessarily. Luxury pick. It was a luxury pick. That was the word that I was thinking, not celebrity. It was a luxury pick. And I think Paulson Adebo would have definitely been a little bit more than that. Yeah, for sure. And then running into that, the Chargers selected Josh Palmer. How did you initially feel when the Chargers selected him? Upset. (laughs) <laughs> upset um and i'll tell you why because i was riding so high off of the euphoria of the first two picks right we nailed them so i was like okay here it comes come on tt come on here it comes and then he, his name comes across the screen i'm like who who Receiver, is that? tennessee i took i look on his stats i'm like this guy had 400 career yards yeah initially i was upset I was super, super pissed, bro. I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. He wasn't even on my radar. And then I started diving into the tape. Not bad. What did you see in the tape? Well, I I think he's obviously not the speed demon that I kind of thought we were going to go after. But he's a big, strong possession receiver. He's in Excel and contested catch situations. And I really think... He could thrive in Los Angeles, you know, as a, another red zone threat. Like Let me tell you the first one. thing I saw when I turned on the tape. I didn't see Josh Palmer. I saw a terrible quarterback, bro. He was so bad. There was like oh, three very, of them. Very bad. They had so such bad throwers of the football. It was it was terrible. But if you looked at the receivers, all of them are big, lanky dudes. And Josh Palmer was the cream of the crop in that. He's not like super, super tall. He's only 6'1", which is decent size for a wide receiver, 210 pounds. But he's got these long arms, 33-inch arms. For reference, most offensive linemen, that's like the cutoff, right? And offensive linemen are usually like 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". 33-inch arms is like their average. This is Josh Palmer's arm size, three inches shorter. His frame is packed with muscles. I, I got two comps for you, all right? Tell me how you like these. My first comp for Josh Palmer is Justin Blackman from Oklahoma State a few years ago. The only thing he doesn't have is run after catch. He, we didn't see him with the ball in his hands. My second comp is Brian Edwards of the Raiders from last year. Brian Edwards is a very similar receiving Again, no run after the catch. Not his fault. He's a possession receiver. Yep. We just didn't get to see him run after the catch. Like you said, he, he wasn't a very productive player. But 
he was very, very good in the small sample size that you did get to see. Sure. Well, and if you got Allen next to him in his ear, coaching him up on his route running, you got Williams offering his jump ball expertise. He has, you know, he could be one of those sleeper picks for us that, you know, kind of weren't expecting, but could establish himself as a wide receiver three in this offense. I think he is incredibly good at tracking the deep ball. He's got excellent, excellent body control. He really, really had to adjust to some really misplaced balls. And he was productive against really good corners. Well, and I like having Mike Williams and Josh Palmer out there on the outside, having Keenan in the slot. It kind of reminds me of those old school receiver cores when we used to have uh, Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd just take off, run double goes, and with Eddie one, Royal in the slot. Yeah, which one are you gonna? Who are you gonna guard? We have too many options, and it's kind of looking, looking more and more like that type of offense. And then, you know, I started watching some more tape of his, right? And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's just a big body receiver. He's just running nine routes. And then I saw the tape from the senior bowl. He's an angry route runner, man. When he puts his, when he plants his foot, he's going. He is. Yeah, he is. He's not super fast. He only run a four, five, one forty, but the way that he runs, it's very aggressive, Mm -hmm. right? He gets separation at the top of the route, which is always hard to do, especially when you're not a burner, but he knows how to just give that little push off, right? Not, not something that's going to draw any flags, but just give himself a little bit of room. He's a true X receiver, man. And to be honest, I think there's a good chance that he is able to push Mike Williams off the roster next year with a big year. I think, I think, I think drafting Palmer, I think that's the idea, right? You kind of want him, so you don't have to cash out for Mike Williams next season. They barely wanted to give him his fifth option. They kind of, it seemed like they were really hesitant about giving him the fifth year option this year. So I I think that's the plan is watching Palmer develop into that deep threat that Williams is, is for the chargers. Cause you know, next year you're going to be paying Mike Williams 10, 11, 12 million a year next year. They're willing to do it this year. They were willing to pay him 15 million on that fifth year option, right? A lot of people wanted them to, you know, retract that because $15 million is nothing to sneeze at. Right. Mm -mm. That's a, that's a big payday. He's like the eighth highest paid receiver right now in the NFL, just because of that cap number. And I think Josh Palmer gives you the ability to move on next year. If you don't think that he's the guy. Yeah. Especially if Mike Williams does explode next year, right? If he has, you know, 10 touchdowns and 1200 yards receiving, Right. If he has a big year, you've got your replacement and you've got a replacement with size. You've already got two burners. You got Jalen Guyton, you got mm-hmm. uh, Tyrone Johnson. I think that they were going to go speed as well, but it does make sense that they go with the big bodied receiver. Well, and it, it speaks to the faith of the coaching staff in those young guys that you mentioned, Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton. They obviously believe that they will become the deep threats and cut the drops that they they had last year I, I think the potential is there I think they both shown flashes so and yeah going with that big possession receiver obviously speaks to how the coaching staff views those young guys on the roster definitely I totally get the the pick I get the understanding and what a way by this scouting staff to really find this guy with the 78th pick the Vikings selected Chaz Surratt his brother wasn't even drafted which really caught me off guard we can get into that next next week uh, the Raiders select a Mal- Malcolm Kuntz defensive end after that. I have no idea who that dude is. Again, the Raiders selected one good pick in this entire draft. 
the Dolphins selected Hunter Long after that. The Washington football team took Diami Brown. And then here's another pick that I think that the Chargers were eyeing that kind of hurt them, and that was Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Tommy Trimble is the guy that they want Trey McKitty to be. That That's ultimately what they wanted in a tight end. They wanted a downhill blocking tight end, and Tommy Trimble ended up going earlier than they wanted to. I think that really kind of changed their draft plans a little bit because it made them need to, to, I guess, reach on Trey McKitty. We can get to that in a few more picks, but I think that really hurt them because he was he's really the model of what you want in a blocking tight end. Uh, the Cowboys selected Chauncey Golston, and then the Packers finally took a receiver for the first time in I don't know how many years. Amari Rodgers, what's your thoughts on Amari Rodgers playing with Aaron Rodgers? Is, yeah, it, is well, he even going to play? I think that's the big question. I, I think the Packers needed a, a slot receiver, but I think the big question mark there is is who's going to throw the ball. Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers, or, or are they going to hand over the reins to Jordan Love? But, I, yeah, they needed some decent wide receiver help. I, I, I think Amari Rodgers provides you a pretty decent explosive uh, slot weapon. He has the speed. He runs good routes, has some solid hands, and he, he's pretty tough to bring down after the catch. But, you know, I expect him to be a chain mover for the Packers. He's, he's not going to take – he's not he doesn't have the home run um, plays. He's not going to take screens 80 yards to the house, but he's going to be a reliable option. Uh, working across the middle is going to help him pick up first downs and keep drives alive. And I think it's a good pick for what they need because they've, they've had some big, lengthy wide receivers there for a little while. And then other than that, it's – you know, outside of their star wide receiver, they haven't had another like chain mover. Uh, they they haven't really surrounded Rodgers with too many weapons through the passing game. They had a uh, Ty Montgomery, Go- Ty Montgomery there for a little bit. The little wide receiver running slash back slash running back what, athlete, whoever you want to call him. They tried that experiment, but yeah, I I don't they know just... why Rodgers is good enough. I think I think that's they can he makes wide receiver fives look like wide receiver threes. So he does. Okay. He does do that, and he's got the luckiest long ball, hell Mary. Those his guys have come down with so many last second score win the game type he's of clutch. situation. He's clutch for sure. But the next pick, the Vikings selected Wyatt Davis. This was the pick that they got from the the trade in the first round when they traded out of 14 they they're shoring up their offensive line they got Christian Darrisaw they got Wyatt Davis there to play guard they're on a team that's definitely on the rise the Steelers selected Kendrick Green 49ers went Trey Sermon i i love Trey Sermon playing for Kyle Shanahan that stable of running backs never seems to go dry no well Shanahan loves his running backs and what does he do he goes and grabs a really good one in Trey Sermon so that San Francisco offense, that running back group, you got uh, what is his name? That big old fullback. I, I is it Kyle Juice Juice, Juice, Juice Check? Juice Check. Yeah, with him blocking, I mean that that team could is going to have a lot of success running the football. And they are never ever running out of running backs. They're always bringing in new guys. Always bringing new guys. And if you're running back in that system, you're going for a thousand yards. It just happens just happens and they look very very much value speed in running backs yeah yeah they love running backs they're gonna find they them love running backs. they're gonna find them i think is my and point. that system is built for running backs it yep. really is 
With the next pick, the Houston Texans selected Nico Collins. Really, if you if you want to comp for Nico Collins, it's Josh Palmer, right? The, those two are almost very similar, identical. With the 90th pick, the Minnesota Vikings selected Patrick Jones. 91, Anthony Schwartz went to the Browns. That's just not fair, man. <laughs> their, their stable wide receivers just gets better and better every year, it seems like. Yeah, and that offense is going to be tough. Uh, there's a lot of players on that team that can take the ball to the house. That They're, they're going to be a strong team. That's a game I'm really looking forward to us watching next year. And then after that, Spencer Brown went to the Bills. Ben Cleveland went to the Ravens, which is another steal that I think. And then the Buccaneers selected Robert Hainsley out of Notre Dame. New England got Ronnie Perkins. How did that happen? I don't know, man. That one is a bummer because New England's already going to be good. Didn't have very well, many draft picks, but they they the picks they did make were uh, pretty pretty solid. They were definitely solid. How do you feel about the Chargers selecting Trey McKitty? Man, very shocked when I heard it. Um, I think even even reanalyzing it, I understand why we did it, but I, I still think this is kind of the biggest head scratcher of a pick that we made. Like I knew, I think one of the most underrated part of Hunter Henry's game was his run blocking. I, I think that is going to be sorely missed. And I, McKitty is a great run blocker, right? He's going to do that very well for us but I kind of thought we already went out inside Jared Cook who's going to be our probably top pass catching option you you have uh, Donald Parham who we're hoping develops into you know Jared Cook's replacement I didn't really think we needed to take a third round pick on a guy who's going to be our tight end three you you drafted Virgil Green yeah you drafted Virgil Green I would have been totally fine going in with Steven Anderson Donald Parham and then addressing the need next year when when you replace Jared Cook, yeah, yeah, but which so, you might not have even had to have done because if Donald Parham really does develop and continue his trajectory, he's your tight end one, right? And you know you need to de- develop his run blocking ability. You know Stephen Anderson has some of that ability as well, and it just didn't make sense. It seemed like a reach. It seemed like they saw saw a need. Like, hey, we need a run blocking tight end. We need. And in Brandon Staley's words, somebody that can play on the line. And they were like, we we have to take him here over Brevin Jordan, which also caught me off guard because I don't know how Brevin Jordan fell as far as he did. And to me, I think there were better players on the board. I think Trey McKitty is the ultimate boom or bust player. Yeah. Super athletic. Mm -hmm. He's he's got size. He was a four star recruit coming out of high school. He really his his growth was stunted when he went to Florida State is, is yeah. ultimately what ended up happening. He's, he stunted his growth and then he transferred to Georgia and they didn't throw honestly, him the football. They didn't throw him the football and I honestly don't even think he was the best tight end there. They had a couple other tight ends that got a lot of playing time as well. Their tight end I can't I don't know his name but I I was when I was watching film on Trey McKitty, he was their kind of their wing back. Yeah, and I liked him better, and he—I think he ended up catching more footballs while he was there too. I just—I didn't like Trey McKitty quite as well. I think there's something there to develop, but I think he's yeah. totally developmental, and you should not be dra- drafting developmental players in the third round. 
You should be drafting guys who are going to be seeing some starting snaps. And especially with the guys that came off the board over the next four picks, Quinn Meaners, Elijah Molden, and Ifitu Melifonwu. Those three guys, I think, would have been better value picks overall. And I just, I didn't see the Trey McKitty. I see the Trey McKitty fit. I didn't see the value in that fit. No. Yeah, it that's going to be a tough one. And I'm hoping that there's a lot in his game that we're just not seeing, right? Maybe there's a lot more in his game at Florida State that he just wasn't allowed to show, or or at Georgia, I mean. I, I, I think looking at his Florida State tape, I think he's pretty exciting, right? He's going up, making jump catches. He's running people over. So I hope there's something, like you said, that, that we can tap into. Looking you know, at it on paper, other I don't thing like I see it. In it. The other thing I see in it is special teams value. Yes. That's that's ultimately what this pick is. It's special teams value. Oh uh, Yeah, well, I, there's no more wedge busters, but just get behind McKitty on kickoff, right? And he's going to take you 20 yards. He's a big dude and powerful. But I, that, just, that, I think there's better value picks in the next couple picks. You know, I really liked Elijah Molden. He was probably one of my favorite players on this, in this draft. Uh, he went to the Tennessee Titans, which is a good fit. He's going to be learning behind Desmond King for a year. They're mm-hmm. probably not going to hold on to Desmond King. He can end up playing safety. He's really one of my favorite players. this entire draft. You look at his character, you look at his leadership abilities, his production, all of his turnovers he generated with Washington. Elijah Molden's one of my favorite picks in this entire draft, especially when you where you get him. And then right after him was Ifitu Melifonwu, big, lengthy court corner. He's playing for the Lions. Um, he's another good value player. And then you've got the 49ers going Ambry Thomas. The Rams select Ernest Jones, linebacker. The Ravens took Brandon Stevens. And then the last pick, uh, the Broncos got another good one, Baron Browning from Ohio State. So I think the Broncos got a lot better there as well. Um, they got a good core special teamer who's going to challenge for starting snaps in the next couple of years. And that's the end of the round. We got some numbers. Do you hear that? So got- Josh Palmer is going to be wearing number five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got Rayshon Slater is going to be wearing 70. 26 is going to go to Asante Samuel Jr. And then we'll talk some more about some of our other guys, but numbers came out. Yeah, number five receiver. That's going to be weird, and I wonder when that being weird is going to fade. I don't think it'll take that long, man. To be honest, it's like watching college football, right? It's not really going to matter. You're just... You've gotten to a point where you've identified 80s and the 10s to 19s as wide receivers. Yeah. But I mean... If you watch college football, you don't even notice it. Well, and I think if you know football enough, you you, you know the areas where they are or kind of what plays they're making, and you kind of can assume even if you can't see the full full field. And then I'm also going to make a prediction that uh, K-9's coming back. Kenneth Murray's going to switch to 9, and I think Darren James is going to switch to 3, and I think that's going to be it. I hope he doesn't because I just got a Derwin James jersey last year. And... I have a Kenneth Murray 56. And I was stoked about the 56 because of 
Sean Merriman and uh, you know fifty six is a linebacker number. And I, I got number. his jersey, but he's he's gonna switch to Canine. For sure. It's iconic. Well, it's his nickname. It's kind of yeah. it's part of his it's part of who he is. So it's his persona, yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you guys get the chance, give us a follow on at LAC Shock Therapy on Twitter at the Masterbolt. That's T H E E Masterbolt for Tyler Lawrence, and then Zach Alfers is literally just Zach Alfers. Uh, we're we're on Instagram, uh, LAC Shock Therapy. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. Uh, give us a shout out, and as you're listening to the podcast. Uh, feel free to leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Ask us if you guys like for us to talk about anything else, and we'll get into that. Closing remarks, Zach? Man, I'm so excited for some Charger football. I just want to get into camp, kind of let that depth chart develop, and I, I can't wait for Washington football team week one. I can't wait to start breaking down some of these depth charts, man. We're going to be getting yes, into sir. it here pretty soon. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, and you guys have a great day. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.